Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Welcome to a show hosted by two mediocre losers where we talk about combat sports. Hello, everyone. It's Morning Combat. What day is it today? It's the 22nd of September. It's 2021. I'm Luke Thomas. It's Brian Campbell. And we are here. Yesterday was one of the most productive, important, and saddest days in Morning Combat <laughs> history. I mean, we, we shot a lot of good shit. We were we involved in the midst of all these boxing, breaking news, breakdowns, Canelo Alvarez, all that good stuff. Uh, and then you and I hit the rooftop to film a special gift to the people that's coming out later this week. And it was all washed white dads from there. Yeah, it, it really was, uh, was a fast More on that slide. to come later in the show. But you're wondering, why is BC wearing this? Wearing this, uh, what they call me when I walked in? So I didn't know that this was the name of this garment here. It's called a drug rug because it's got the Grateful Dead logo on it. And, of course, you could not like the Grateful Dead if you were actually sober. And this is what... Actually, the Dead logo has nothing to do with the name, Luke. It's more like if no, you, I understand, to, but if it's you a, wore it's this a fine in high marriage. school, you did drugs, you know? That's really what that means. You know? <laughs> yeah, but it's like where you did drugs. You did drugs in like a sad place. Yeah, like you didn't the back do drugs of 7-Eleven like, where the homeless guy lived. Yeah, like no like, one who did drugs at a party with hot chicks wore that. It's the guys who were like huffing gas well, in their yeah, I'll dad's I'll tell you garage. what, in a factory town, the guys who wore these were also heroes. I'll just go that far, okay? All right. Wait, yeah. heroes to you heroes or like genuine work. heroes? Hey, heroes work here, by the way. We got a chance to party with some of these schlubs behind the camera. Their names are Delta and Eight. It's great. They're fun to hang out with. <laughs> All right. I'm uh, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is our cameraman the MVP for what he put into our system, or or did, or did he did he fuel the downfall yesterday? I think he. Uh, well, we can't really blame anyone yeah, at this stage, can we? We are adults. We are. We adults, are just uh, absolutely. Hey, we do have a loaded show for you today. We're going to get a little head start on UFC 266 this weekend, yep. reacting to the Canelo Alvarez Caleb Plant press conference brawl. Uh, Teofimo Lopez was on this show in the last 24 Brought hours. It. Had some big things to say. Some big news on Nick Diaz and. Other little assorted goodies. Uh, Luke, there was never a better time to like this video, to subscribe to what we do here at MK on the March to 100K. It's not just if you're new here, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern on the YouTube's live shows. It's the bonus shit we give you at YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. Big time interviews. Check out Canelo right now, Teofimo Lopez. Um, okay, the plant will be up later. Resume review, Nick Diaz, biatch. That's right, and then we have the special video that we shot yesterday, which will be out either later today or tomorrow. We're not quite sure about so, that. So, uh, you know, anyone who said, "Hey, 
MK is getting a little washy the last two months. You know, they don't. All they do is talk about the Paul brothers. You know, they're, they're they, fighting well, they're kind each of other. Right. I mean, we did. You know, you know, yeah. We all did. that was true. We hey, had some bills um, to pay. You want to see our, our our number one seller in merch right now on MorningCombat.store? MorningCombat.store. Okay? This, this fantastic. I love MK mug. Uh, you can get that for your coffee table and beyond. And we have a special deal for you today, Luke. You want to tell the folks about it? Uh, we have a code for you to use right now, live right now. It's called Live Ten, L I V E, and then the numbers one and zero. Live Ten, ten percent off your purchase. By the way, they should know what our top sellers are. And you can see the graphic here. Number one is the I love with the donkey MK. That's our number one seller. Number two. Factory Town MMA wow. T-shirt. In two days, in two days, well, that's our number two. I like seller? how it's never number one, but always number two. That's a great thing. And then number three, the Morning Combat Fight Club tee, which is now available. You can see over there. BC and I uh, got a, uh, our own. Of Who those does number two work for? Okay, please stop talking forever. So the oh. special <laughs> discount, by the way, will be live till two p.m. Two p.m. Eastern time today. Speaking yep. of uh, interrupting, I interrupted Luke one time on Monday's show. First time in a long time. Okay, and long people, time. people, I'm like, sorry, Luke. I've got an incredible joke about a hooker. I've got to insert here. And this guy's uh, this, this guy's vagine started to flare I up. Didn't, I didn't. And, I didn't complain. And now I people, got, we got a lot of complaints. Now people on social media coming after me. All right. Relax. Yo, yo, don't try to bottle this art. Relax, you're fine. Drug rug. Okay. Uh, with that out of the way, if you also want to try Showtime, you can do that. Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you may certainly go pound sand. We will do some fan subs today, and we'll do Dead Wrong on Friday. But to do that, we need you to email us whatever you have. Morningcombat at gmail.com. Morningcombat at gmail.com. And uh, you know what? I have to get our DraftKings read, BC, because... Yeah, well, we are good partners with DraftKings because DraftKings is the official betting partner of what the NFL of and, what and UFC of what UFC. So here's the deal: you like putting a little action on top of your action, if you know what I'm talking about. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, and you are going to need a specific special code: Combat with a K for what? I don't know for NFL bets. What do you get? Two hundred dollars. For making a $1 bet, UFC bets, Luke, you want to bet UFC 266 this weekend? How about $150 in free bets by making a $1 bet on a single fight? If you think the resume review curse is real, it is undefeated at 6-0, then Luke, I think you're picking Robbie Lawler this weekend. That's right. And so here's how it's going to work. As we know, UFC 266 is coming up this weekend. Uh, New customers, if you will get $150 free to bet, if you just bet $1 on anything related to UFC 266. One get, time? One time bet for new customers. You bet a buck, they'll give you $150 to bet for free, all yours. So don't miss out on all the action of UFC 266 with the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code COMBAT when you sign up to receive $150 in free bets instantly if you bet a dollar on UFC 266. That's code COMBAT with a K. To receive $150 instantly only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. If legalized online betting is not available in your state, you have two options. You don't have One, to read that. move to Connecticut by October, or two, get involved with the DK Daily Fantasy Contest, the chance true. to win $1 million. MK and DK, what a combination. I stopped right there. That's that. You got it exactly right. All right, BC, you ready to get this started? Let's do it. All right, topic number one. So BC and I, or I think it was actually BC's idea, and it's a good one. He wants to focus in on the co-main event so we can do a little bit of things differently on Friday, make sure we give everything, get, everything gets its proper attention. So as we know, the UFC women's flyweight title will be up for grabs in the co-main event on Saturday of UFC 266. Reigning champion Valentina Shevchenko will defend her title against upstart 
Lauren Murphy. For the sixth time, she'll be defending her title. For the sixth damn time. That seems quite fast already. In two years. In two years. I cannot remember the last time I ever heard her getting injured or or having a fight being canceled or something. She seems always ready to go and prepared. Okay, BC, you actually spoke to the both of them. I know we have some clips for them, but since you spoke to them, both of them, and this is kind of a fight you had your eye on for a while, set this up for me. What is the best way to think about this fight? What kind of chance are you giving Lauren Murphy? Or is this, as most people presume, just another Valentina Shevchenko Look, defense? Look, it's not that I don't love the Lauren Murphy story. I do. She's a grinder. She's a late career bloomer. She's won five straight. And when you look at the way in which she started her UFC career, having gone just two and four, you wouldn't have expected this. Have some of these been hard-fought split decisions that could have gone either way, like her last fight with what, Jojo Calderwood was her last victory? I believe that's correct, yes. Um, There's been a few of those type of feelings, but she's getting it done, she's surviving and advancing, but Luke, it would be hard to pin this as, let me come on here and find that specific road to victory for Lauren Murphy against Valentina Shevchenko. It's because Shevchenko is not just you know, the flyweight of the moment. Luke, I'm sorry, what was I arguing drunkenly last night that she's at worst, what, at worst the third greatest fighter in women's MMA history, Valentina Shevchenko? Well, you wanted to put her ahead of Cyborg, which is a separate debate, but see, she's certainly in the pantheon of greats, although you are kind of forgetting some pioneers. Oh, I don't Megumi Fujii and some other ones as well. So the point is, there's a reason why the betting odds are so insanely in Valentina's favor. I think what hurts Lauren Lauren Murphy's public chances in terms of us talking this into being a fight is we thought the last title defense in April in which Valentina Shevchenko welcomed former strawweight champion Jessica Andrade would be with the punching power of Andrade. Luke, tell me if I'm wrong, the toughest title defense at 125 to date for Valentina. Luke, I rewatched that round and a half last week. Uh, Crucifix, domination, elbows, and Valentina basically saying, oh, you guys don't think I can wrestle on the same level that I can do everything else, including wear uh, tattoos of uh, firearms on my midriff. Um, Here's this, Luke, her wrestling was off the charts. If she did it with that type of ease to Andrade, it is clearly hard for you and I to make a strong case for Murphy. But let's give Murphy her close-up. I did get a chance to catch up with her, as Luke mentioned, in the past uh, week and a half. And Luke, the one thing that she wasn't all in on is the idea that she's some accidental title challenger, that she stumbled into it, or that this is some rocky story. Let's see where Lauren Murphy's head is at entering this big one on Saturday night. A little bit of both. I've been the underdog so many times in my career, um, like so many times in my career out of, I think I have 19 fights, I think 19, and I've probably been the underdog for like 17 of them. <laughs> you know wow. what I mean? So, wow. Yeah, something, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but something like that. And so uh, I feel a little bit of both, like, okay, here we go, I'm the underdog again, that's okay, felt this many, many times. and. Um, also like, like we were talking about, like, I believe in myself. I believe in my team. I believe in the hard work that I've put in. And my job that night is to go out there and carry out the game plan that my team has come up with and fight to the best of my ability. And I'm just going to focus on that. And when I focus on those kinds of things, when I'm just staying focused in the moment, I don't think about like, what does everybody else think about me? What do they all think about the, the odds? Like, I wonder who bet on me. I, you know, I don't know. I just, all that stuff is very external. It's kind of out of my control. And so I just try to stay focused on what I can do and stay focused in the moment. Well, let me spin it to you, to be fair to her. You don't want her coming out and being like, well, I'm the underdog. I'm not supposed to win this. You want the confidence of saying, I'm supposed to be here. I've won five in a row. This is my moment. This is my time. But like, can we cut, cut through that? 
what is the right, if this is the right posture to have entering a Valentina Shevchenko fight, what is the right game plan for Murphy to have so she doesn't turn into what everyone else has been in these five title defenses at this weight class against this, this robot that can just take you out in every category? Is there something Lauren Murphy can do that we're not thinking about that can make Saturday night interesting? Potentially. I mean, I, I understand what her argument for why she does not... She doesn't want to be viewed as some kind of charity case, right? Partly, she wants to be viewed as the rightful challenger, which I think even people who don't think she has a great chance still view her as the rightful challenger. She has won the fights that she has won in a very, um, you know, yeah, some split decisions, but an impressive run overall in the totality of the body of work. And uh, I get that. At the same time, though, she does have to sort of reconcile with how we were introduced to her. It is true that she came into the UFC as an undefeated, technically she had won the Invicta Bantamweight Championship, and then she lost her first one of her three, and then she lost total in her first six fights. She went two and four in that. Like, for a long time, she was obviously on the bad end of things. And maybe she didn't get lucky in some of those, BC. But since going two and four, she's undefeated. She figured it out. She got right. And that is what's really pushing her, not just that she's accumulated these wins, but the overall body of skills she has shown. To answer the question more directly, listen, man, I think we can all agree, if you let Shevchenko have the space and time, so time on the clock as well as the space, and the two can be related to that, to make calculated decisions and set traps and define the terms of the fight in the way in which she likes to, you do not have a prayer. You do not have a prayer. You cannot win that kind of a fight with her. What you might be able to do, and I don't know if Lauren Murphy can pull it off, you kind of box a brawler, brawl a boxer. I think you have to make it a little bit uglier. I think you have to overwhelm her with offense so she can't get going with the traps, with the decision-making, with all the things she does to lure you in. Lauren has called herself, in my interview with her, the most well-rounded fighter in the game. I think you can certainly argue maybe Valentina fits that title, but I almost wonder if that's a bit of a detriment to Lauren Murphy. What she does great, Luke, is she's well-rounded and she's tough, but I think she might need or would have want to have possessed right now an elite level talent in one specific lane. Like Andrade, she came up empty. I thought she was gonna have a chance to test the chin, make Valentina have to go to plan B or C. Look, we didn't get that far, but you'd admit Andrade had the one punch power, had that fight gone a little differently to make it interesting. What Lauren Murphy can't do is the extreme of being Jessica I and just running into traffic and saying, I'm going after this. There's gotta be some, <laughs> I mean, there's gotta be some nuance to, to how she can sort of pick, this is my best strategy because if you make Valentina the counterpuncher, she's too accurate, clean, sharp, and smart like she was against Holly Holm back at 135. And if you come after uh, her, we've seen what happened. It's such an uphill battle that it's crazy. I mean, you, you look at her turnaround, the invention of this 125 pound division, I think was a great thing for Murphy as well, like it was for Shevchenko and a lot of these fighters to figure out, yes, this is his, her perfect weight. But Luke, she's in there against a historic figure in Shevchenko. There's no getting around that. So um, I, I don't know what to tell her. If she had DM'd me and said, look, BC, you know, tell me what I need to do. But this is my Re point. Reschedule you, the fight, Luke? Yeah, I this, mean, uh, this, this is my point that you can't, she will never beat her if you're like, okay, well, we're going to stand at boxing range and try her hand there. Or we're going to stand at kickboxing range and try her hand there. Or we're going to get on top. And we're just going to sort of, you could potentially make an argument for getting on top and then working a ground and pound game, but dude, her takedown defense has gotten really good. Plus, we saw she subbed Pena off of her back as well, if memory serves, or at least, yeah, I think that's yes. right. Yeah, so so the, even that's not a great place. To me, you have to go in there and level change, connect with her, absolutely unload in tight spaces, and then break off and just kind of start this weird, um, uh, you know, unorthodox way of do, overloading her with volume, essentially. 
to, to win. I don't know how else you can do it. The only one who had any kind of success in these six uh, fights in this division for Valentina, including the title win over Ioana Young Jacek, is Jennifer Maya, right? Mm -hmm. And she did have that one dominant strength in that one dominant area. Mm -hmm. Don't know if Lauren Murphy can even replicate that level of success in this one. Uh, Luke, when Valentina's been so active and she has, and she's showing up for each title defense, you know, a guarantee on the clock date every three, four months, and she's getting dominant wins. It's hard to say, okay, what's the storyline this time around for this great fighter? Um, should she just stay on this route and keep piling up title defenses and keep, you know, cementing how we remember her? Is it time right now, if she goes out there against Lauren Murphy and does what we expect her to do, I expect her to get a finish in some form, okay? I expect that now of Shevchenko. It doesn't always happen. Liz Carmouche decided to kind of go the other direction, and Shevchenko's like, okay, this is the road we're going down in this fight. Um, but let's say Shevchenko gets the finish. Should she be getting pound-for-pound pound number one votes over Amanda Nunes, even though Nunes beat her twice because of the fact that now Valentina's in a separate division, she's dominating the level of competition? I... Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one because I thought she won the second fight with Nunes. And that, those are her only two losses in the UFC. Um, and just, her only other loss, by the way, was against Liz Carmouche on the regional level when there was a cut and there was a bad stoppage by the referee. Right, so which they already fought again. And she's we saw she's that never way. really been handled. Let me just say this, though. Here's an interesting thing that's happening. She is, we're talking about um, Valentina. Uh, Valentina. She is alternating decisions with stoppages. So Priscilla Cachuera, she stopped her, then had a decision against Joanna. Then she head kicked uh, Jessica I, then she had a decision against Carmouche. Then she stopped Chukagian, but had a decision against Maya. Then she TKO'd Andrade. Which means, if passed this prologue, she's actually due for a decision against Lauren Murphy. Which, by the way, wouldn't be the craziest thing. Lauren Murphy she's is tough. she's tough. She's a veteran. She doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Like that's not an easy out for Valentina Shevchenko either. Either if, even if you think that she's probably going to win. And again, the, the, the likelihood is. Where would it put her? <sighs> Man, it's a, it's a tough question because what you're saying here is you can make a case. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't the argument would be that Shevchenko, while having the losses to Nunez has overall produced something at a lighter weight that is more impressive, and we know she can go up a weight class and have an impressive uh, run there as well. You could say the same for Amanda at 145, but 145 sure. not as deep as 125 to 135, so that would put the argument back in favor of Shevchenko. I still go with Nunez just based on the amount of Ws over I mean, the legs. argument against it is that Nunez is a two-division champion, not one, that Nunez beat her clearly in the first one. Close fight. Shevchenko figured something out at UFC 196 and made a run in round three, and you wonder if that was five rounds, could it be different? But that's still a clean, clear win for Amanda, and, and that head-to-head -head should matter to some degree. Obviously, the case for it is the fact that you and I both believe Valentina won that second fight or at least deserved something better than the decision that she got. Um, you also could say, well, what level of competition is she facing at 125? Look, the competition seems to be getting better for Valentina than we originally thought. And, oh, by the way, Luke, at 35 and 45, you know, Cyborg and Holly Holm notwithstanding, it's not like Nunes has been facing all killers. I mean, there's been Jermaine Duran to me in there, so there's certainly a somewhat equal level of competition in that regard. Um, what you and I, I think, I'm going to speak for you, love about Valentina is... Um, She's polite. She's an ambassador for the sport. You nailed her as, uh, named her, N nailed your name, nailed your naming of her as one Boy, of the that top. that was Freudian. As, well, yeah, I cleaned up quick, though. As one of the top baby faces, you know, heroes, good guys in the sport, good, you know, females and all that. Um, but she can also be stone cold, Luke. Let's hear her take she can. on how this fight is going to play out. What do you have to focus on the most in what she brings to the table to get the victory? 
Um, I would say she's well-rounded fighter. She's like MMA fighter. She knows uh, like everything and she uh, kind of like good wrestling, good ground game, good uh, like stand-up game, everything fine. But the other things that um, who she faced, <laughs> this is kind of like different. So yeah, it's, it's, it's different. And I'm here not only to give like, not just uh, giving like credits to Lauren, I respect her. I know she's a dangerous opponent, but uh, my mission is go there and destroy her. It's not quite, uh, I must break her, but it's not that far from that. It's ice cold is what it is. Ice cold. Yeah, dude, she's, her success is not accidental. It's just not. She is always on weight. She lives in the gym. Her lifestyle is almost, you know, she's not like secluded, but it's so directed towards all things preserving her life around being a professional athlete who does this. She has, as to her point, she's been doing it for much longer than most of her peers. She appears to be genuinely a better athlete anyway than many of them. And she's committed to this in ways that no matter how much you care about it as an opponent, you can't be given how she lives her life. She has no children. She has no uh, significant other that I'm aware of. She just lives this. I mean, the, the training it's, camp she had for this, which she details in my interview, if you want to check it out on YouTube, is uh, she was in a, basically a houseboat with her sister, her, who's her top training partner, and her older sister, Antonina, and, of course, her coach, Pavel, who doesn't always get big-time credit, despite his success with her having started training her when she was age five, you know, in, in, at a lower instructional level. They lived in that boat, Luke, went around the state of Washington, stopped at towns, went into local gyms and worked there, and then just went back on the boat and, did, and worked. I mean, like, it's a weird setup. And I said, you know, is that different? Is that distracting? Would you ever want to do it again? She goes, do it again. I do that every training camp. And if you follow her on IG, Luke, and I know you won't admit it publicly whether you do or not. Um, I don't. She lives a, a travel network lifestyle, of, of, and it doesn't affect her. In fact, it seems like it fuels her. So that's wild. Uh, to close, Luke, you can't talk about Valentina without talking about Amanda Nunes, as we already mentioned. Um, you know the, the, the rhetoric every time you bring it up to, to her is, look, one of these days, eventually, we'll get that fight. So I wanted to say, um, are you sick of waiting on saying one of these days? Because... It would seem like, what are we waiting for? Can we do that third fight already? Can we can we do this historic thing? Let's uh, tee it back up to Valentino one last time to hear her thoughts on this. But do you ever get frustrated with that and say, hey, Dana, can we just do it this year and get it over with, please? Because I know I'm going to beat her. I mean, come on. I mean, this. what do you think? 2022 is the year? I don't have his personal number. <laughs> That's why I cannot call him and say that. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right i don't know i mean i feel like you're getting better and she's she's staying the same but i i feel like if you know you guys fought a third time it might be your best chance it's gonna be what time is it now it's time to fight Nunes, no okay there it is. <laughs> you know it is. i'm ready for this fight whenever it's happened i'm here i'm here like Right here. <laughs> all right, look, the, first of all, the chemistry is undeniable on screen right there. But, you know, like you and I have in a lot of ways, too. But uh, you, do you believe that? Does she not have Dana White's number? She can't text him? Do you believe this? I do believe that, yeah. Yeah, I do believe that. Okay. She might have, like, Mick Maynard or Sean Shelby's number, but she ain't got Dana's, no. Um, because it's inevitable. When do we see it? When do we see the third fight at 135 to, to determine who's the greatest of all time? I don't think we do. I don't think Amanda's got any incentive to take it. I think that, obviously she has her own fight coming up, but um, I think she's focused on a lot of new parts of her life, like her burgeoning family, 
and her daughter, and then the relationship she has with uh, her wife and everybody else. Like, I don't. I think that the door has closed. I think what's going to happen is Nunez probably will get out of the sport before Shevchenko, and then I think what Shevchenko is going to try to do is a little bit. Not, I'm not comparing. Here's what's interesting. I don't think that a John Jones DC comparison works in the same way as a Shevchenko and an Amanda Nunez. Because I do think that that Shevchenko beat her the second time, but in the sense that um, you had a guy like Cormier able to change weight classes for different reasons and different circumstances, but then get some glory from that, and then capture another one in John's absence, you might get something a little bit like that. I think um, where upon her removal from the sport, she becomes not just a pound for pound best woman right now, but will add to her case over time. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, final note: There's a lot of people saying, well. Maybe, maybe the Amanda fight doesn't need to happen. Maybe Wei Li moving up from flyweight is the one. Do you, well, you want to move up from flyweight, and maybe it was a style problem. Maybe it was the fact that Valentina had already beaten her three times in Muay Thai. Uh, she had nothing for her in a lot of ways. Didn't have the power to really... You mean strawweight. Uh, strawweight to flyweight. Strawweight to flyweight, excuse me on that. Um, do you think either Rose Namajunas, the defending champion, or Wei Li, or Zhang Wei Li, can give her anything at 125 if they wanted to? No, I think she's too big. I think they're talented, yes. I think they're very talented, but I don't. One thing you just have to reconcile with Valentina Shevchenko is everyone talks about her mindset, everyone talks about her skills, and they're tremendous. Do not lose sight of the fact that she is a very physically strong athlete, which is why she does not get overwhelmed at 135. She can absolutely hold her own there, and against 125ers, she tosses them around like rag dolls. So I think a 115er coming up, like a Rose, Rose can fight her ass off. But if someone's that physically big, it's just going to be a bit of a problem for I wonder her. if Tatiana Suarez long-term can be that challenge. We'll, we'll find see. out. Lauren Murphy's chance is Saturday, Luke, as we roll on. on All right. Shows. Point number two, speaking of Saturday, let's talk about some news that broke yesterday. And we don't really know what to make of it. Maybe it means nothing. Maybe it means everything. It's the mystery of Nick Diaz. It continues. So uh, I think Ariel Hawani was the first to report this, but Dana White admitted it after yesterday's Contender Series, namely that Nick Diaz wants his fight with Robbie Lawler, yes, the one that's in, what, two, three days at this point, to be a middleweight fight, not a 170 fight. Now, you might be asking why he wants that. I don't know why he wants that. So it's here's obvious. Couple, it seems obvious. Right? Well, okay, they don't want to cut the weight. That part is true. They're both older. If you're both in a position where you don't have to cut the weight, why should you? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. But first, we're waiting on Robbie's camp to agree. The fact that they haven't immediately agreed kind of tells me that they probably will, but that they're not super pleased about it, number one. Number two, BC, it's not like even with the weight cuts, even though he's older, that Nick Diaz doesn't have a good gas tank. So let me ask you, why is he bringing this up this late? It, I don't think it's for mind games because I don't think he has the intentionality to play them. But it, does it signal a worry for you, or is this just Diaz being Diaz? <laughs> well, look, we can't lie here. A guy who's 38 coming off of a six-year layoff, and we documented it in resume review, and it might actually be our best edition of that, separate from the cosmic elements of cursing, that Nick Diaz has put a lot of mileage and scar tissue on an incredibly fun action, action star career. That, Luke, what we saw the tail end of his career that was most disturbing, I think from the Condit fight through GSP, through Silva, was I don't think he wanted to be there anymore overall. So what does this tell me on a final cut during fight week? Hey, you know what? 
I don't know if I want to go through this cut anymore. I tend not to look at it as a super negative because what are your expectations of this fight? It's two old guys on the way out rekindling a rivalry 17 years in the making. It's a great footnote. It's an attraction fight. It's I uh, compared it to like the, you know, Guns N' Roses going back on tour, Grateful Dead reuniting. You're like, man, I got to see Nick one more time. In that regard, Luke, let it just be open weight for all I care. Why, you know, neither of these guys are going to spin off of this to some type of level of title contention, or we really, really don't think that's possible. This is an attraction fight under that dome. Whatever, bro. I'm not going to dig too deep on, well, maybe Nick doesn't want to be there. Uh, he had plenty of time to sit out and get his mind right, get a lot of things right, get his you know, spirit, body, all of that. He's going to come back, Luke. Whatever he's going to have, he's going to have. This is maybe different than when Connor came back from the layoff against Cowboy and he wanted to do a one weight class up. And Dana's like, all right, bro, go ahead. I, you, I'm not going to make you cut down. If you want to be happier. On three days notice. That's a little notice. bit different. Yeah, this is a different scenario. But Luke, you don't have high expectations that this fight is anything more than nostalgic exhibition, do you? Not too much more, no. I, I, there is a chance that Nick Diaz will be able to recapture some lost magic. I think that's certainly possible. But yeah, you're, to your point, it would be almost impossible to look at a win here for either of them as some kind of title-implicated event. It's just so far removed from that. Still, I think the prudent way to look at this, BC, is probably like you can't make too much out of it. The Diaz brothers, they are famous for this. No, not the changing of weight classes last minute. That's not it. Or that, you know, um, that they, don't, they don't come prepared. They almost always come quite prepared. It's an issue of, to me, we just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to try and read the terrain of his decision making. It's probably right. He probably started the weight cut process and was like, fuck this, this sucks, I don't want to do it, let's just see if we can get out of it, fine. But the late notice of it, I, I wouldn't signal to me that like, oh, did Diaz do enough road work and prep so that he actually couldn't cut down to 170 and the signals that he is not prepared for the contest. I would be very strongly cautioning against that. To me, these guys live a little bit by whim they change plans all the time uh, based on a new set of circumstances. This is probably in line with that more than any kind of potential pre-fight red flag about preparatory levels. Or predatory from where I come from. Luke. It is kind of interesting to me, though, that like, you know, to their own detriment, they never pulled out of fights due to injury. In fact, I say to their detriment because when Nate Diaz fought Rafael Dos Anjos, he was kind of banged up in that one, probably shouldn't have taken it, and just did. If you're as in shape for a welterweight fight as you should be, um, you're pr you you. Sh it's funny that they didn't want to cut any weight. He should have been close to the 180-ish mark anyway by the time he showed up on fight week. That part's a little strange to me, to be candid. But strange is the is the brand right now. Yeah. The mer mercurial nature is what we love, sometimes loathe. I mean, I watched the first half of the countdown show between the two of them, and it, and it was great to see Nick look into the camera and be like. You know, I, I left a lot of, almost basically saying I left a lot of money on the table through the years by just not being good on the mic and not wanting anything to do with it and just being like, you know, they showed all of his great one-liners where like a, you know, a sideline reporter's got his question teed up and he's just like, yeah, it was a good fight. And you're just like, all right, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's, that, that's the brand. Does this and change the fight? It doesn't change it at all. It, as long as Robbie's team is okay with it, to me, it's going to be what it's going to be. I have low expectations from the standpoint that one or both are going to look credible. Would I like some fun action and, and even a little sloppiness mixed in, which seems inevitable? Yes, I do, Luke. I had said to you 
um, this week that if this could look like Robbie Lawler versus Ben Askren, meaning there were dramatic twists and turns, or was that fueled by both starting to be a little past their prime? Probably, Luke. But I think if you can get a little dramatic back and forth, the spirit of that prime Nick Diaz run when the defense wasn't there and he's just coming after people, I'd like to live that again one more time as long as it can be done safely. Luke. Are there implications to the win, which is to say this, okay, title shot seems insane, but... If the fight's now at 185, are people going to be saying, let's say Nick looks good? Not like great, but like good. Like, okay, wow, he looked good. Are they going to be saying, put Nick in there against Till? Put Nick in there against Adesanya? Put Nick in there against some fun bangers uh, at middleweight as opposed to what we were thinking, nah, which was well, the 170 track? Uh, I want to put a pin in this because you'll see uh, a topic close to this resurface later in the show. But um, okay. I don't have high expectations, even with a win for Nick's future. I'll ask you later on if you have the same. I want to close on this topic with this, Luke. Okay. Sometimes people call you out for not having fun. That you look at this curse and resume review and you're just like, yo, fuck them. Fuck all those people that put all those comments about how dare you guys do this to Nick, man. I don't read them. There's no such thing as curses, bro. There's not. But Luke, the six fight evidence that, that we have built up, look, you know, these are we're, we're putting the mugwise into the world. If they turn into, you know, you want to feed these motherfuckers after midnight, you want to pour water on, they're going to turn into gremlins, right? Like all I do is give you that opportunity. What do you think the curse what do you think it says about the curse if Nick extends to 7-0 after we picked him? What does it say about it? Nothing. You smell like bologna and fentanyl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, great. Hey, All right. I haven't interrupted you once, though. No, you're, actually doing, you're doing great. You're doing great. All right, so let's go to point number three. So BC set this one up, and we interviewed him yesterday. Teofimo Lopez Jr. Okay, if you fucks, folks, if you fucks, either way. If you haven't paid attention to this, I don't know who else to say it. The guy's fight date with Cambosis has been moved, what, five or six it's times? Threatening a fifth time, right? Threatening a fifth time. It was supposed to be on the 5th. They moved it to the 4th of October, before this in June and August and everything else. Now they're talking about moving it to the 16th. So we actually had Teofimo Lopez on and asking him. Remember, he is with ESPN. He is with Top Rank, but they didn't want to put on a fight with the amount of money he was asking, so he went to a purse bid. And Triller picked it up for an exorbitant amount. Six million plus for this but fight. But they have not staged this fight in over 18 months of attempting. Dude. And, the, and there, was a, there was a COVID pullout. There was, there was a, a threat of moving the fight to Australia. It wasn't all Triller. Some of it is him. But yeah, they yeah. want to move it to Australia. Now it's back in New York. Okay, there's a lot of problems with it. BC, just before we go to some of these cuts, what was your assessment of this? I thought he was frankly rather nice about it, given how much they've kind of dicked this around. More to the point, though, he let Triller have it. To the, even saying something that I didn't think he would say, which is he's not even sure that they want to stage this fight anymore, which, by the way, is not the craziest thought, considering they're on the hook for him for an amount of money that is three yes. times, <clears throat> or more than two times, what the next closest purse bid was. When this purse bid happened, it was a time after Triller's success with the Mike Tyson fight, then with Jake Paul and Askin, where they're just trying to disrupt Askin. the market. Asking, ask, to ask for Askren. They're just trying to disrupt the market, Luke. And they did that with this $6 million purse bid win. But at the end of the day, it's not that overly marketable a fight. George Cambosos Jr. from Australia is unbeaten. He's hungry, but he's a mandatory opponent. And even though Teofimo was a rising star and just beat Lomachenko in that close fight, the buzz was let's get that Lomachenko rematch going or let's get Teofimo against the other stars. This may have been the wrong fight to throw all that money at, although... 
it's because of what you talked about, the way that he asked for more money in his minimums, top rank didn't want to give it to him. It's a rare situation where the hole opened up for a purse bid and, and Triller took it. But Luke, let's be honest about what the tea leaves, we're not saying this, but what the rumor mill was. When when this fight was canceled originally in, the, in I think it was June, because Teofimo had a positive COVID test, you were seeing some pretty reputable boxing folks on, on Twitter being like, I think this is fake. I think this is a fake test. And Triller just is realizing, unless we have some type of shit show to pair with this to sell it, we, we may be taking a huge loss on this. We don't, we don't know, you know, this is not gonna sell. So that's why you've seen constant date changing. It was a $20 pay-per-view during the week on a Tuesday night. Now it's a Monday night, $50 pay-per-view. Now they're trying to move it two weeks later to Brooklyn and pair it up with a rap battle for a Triller versus shit. And at the end of the day, you know, Teofimo's putting his, putting the, drawing the line in front of him. And that's what he did yesterday when we had him on of just like, Enough of this shit. I got to stand firm. And Luke, I thought this was an incredible interview, and I and I appreciate Teofimo standing up to our direct questions. I encourage everybody to check it out beyond these sample clips. But I didn't expect for him to come this hard against Triller when he basically came out, folks, and said this in response to our questions. Cut one. To be honest, I I could only um, there's certain things that sometimes a question I, I have on my mind. However, I try to uh, steer away from the negativity of that. Um, I think it's honestly just something that they're trying to find a way out, you know, um, a way out of and for whatever reason, for whatever reason, that's on them. You know, uh, my whole thing is I'm an athlete that that brings a lot of entertainment into the sport, you know, so and that's why they have brought me into their platform. You know, um, the whole thing now is just trying to figure out these things, you know, October 4th. Madison Square Garden is where we're staying at, you know, and if this is something that they try to forfeit, uh, you know, then we have the people of the zone and ESPN to come back on, on, on board. Luke, um, it's a wild situation for him to come out and say, I don't think Triller even wants to put on this fight anymore. It's interesting. He was as direct as possible. We were as direct as possible in saying, do you regret going down this road with, with Triller, even though it helped him get a better deal with top rank It helped him, to a certain degree, stand out and say, I am in control of my career at age 23 and no one else. How many people in this situation do you think regret that the fight still hasn't gone on and we still don't know when or if or where it's going to go on? This is the funny part about Bob Arum. And listen, I'm not saying Bob Arum or any sort of promoter or any, anybody in the boxing business who's been around for a while is above reproach. I mean, there's plenty of very fine, legitimate criticisms you can make of in, entrenched boxing powers. But dude, if they are entrenched... There's probably at least some good reason for that in terms of how they understand what boxing shows make, what makes them work, what makes them not work, and how to keep this whole thing running afloat. Triller quite obviously at this point does not. I understand what Lopez did at the time. It's easy to second guess it now. But at the time, he was coming off that major Lomachenko win. Remember, Lomachenko was also repped by Top Rank and Bob Arum and everybody else. They wanted a rematch. And Lomachenko, excuse me, Lopez and his team were like, no, we're moving on. Here comes Triller. Say, we're going to give you all this money. He looked like a genius at the time, BC. We're like, wow, he bet on himself to win. And look at what he got. But at the same time, this should be a lesson for all fighters in the game. Obviously, you can give a chance to whoever you want if you feel comfortable with the circumstances. But look around. Who has been doing this the longest? I'm not saying they're not dirtbags, but they're probably smart dirtbags, and they know yeah. how to make money. Yeah. yeah, there's no question about that. So the other big part of our chat with him is about his future. If he's going after undisputed, undefeated, four-belt, 140-pound champion uh, Josh Taylor, provided he beats Cambosos, then I am all for Lopez taking that on. But like we talked to him, Luke, and you and I both sort of pressured him with the same type of uh, questioning, 
When you come out here, Teofimo, and you say, I've already wrapped everything up at 135, I've already accomplished everything, the knee-jerk reaction is, bro, what are you talking about? It's okay for you to say, I don't know if I want to give Lomachenko a rematch, I'm moving up in weight. But for you to suddenly switch gears on Lomachenko and then not be actively trying to seek big fights with this group of the four princes, as Karen Mulvaney calls them, of Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, Gervonta Davis, what is that saying about you know his intentions? Um, I thought he handled our questions well. He was also very slick and studied in his response. Mm -hmm. And he also went the hell after this group of bright young lightweights. Let's throw to the videotape. I'm down for whatever, you know what I mean? I've always been the type to always go for these guys. You know, these guys always called out Lomachenko but never stood up to the plate. You know, so that just showed me something in them that I know. And that is that they don't have 100% trust in themselves. They have doubt. And when they have doubt, that means they have fear. And when they have fear, that's when I, I go into that other mode. You know, I'm the same beast, but a different animal when I'm in that ring. Um, and those are the things, you know, I'm just trying to push on more and more so for these guys. Um, because these guys are honestly fucking up my sport, to be honest. You know, they are. They talk all this and they do all this, but they don't fucking push. They don't. Everybody's just talk. They talk it, but they don't walk it. You know, and this is the things that I just try to, I'm just trying to push on forward for myself and for the sport. You know, is that if you're going to talk and you're going to call me out, I better see a fucking contract the next day. You understand what I'm saying? You know what I mean? But these guys just call out and talk and talk and talk. They want to use my name. They want to use the clout because that's what they do. They all clout chase. And, and that's what it is. They fake it till they make it. And by the time they make it, they're so fake that they don't want to take the fights. Uh, tough words from a tough man. And there's more in this interview if you want to check it out of him just going at people. Was it enough to justify? I mean, he's trying to say I'm the bigger draw of all these guys, or at least I think I am. You have to come to me. Now he's saying I've tried to go to them. No one's picking up the phone. Do you believe him? Is it the right move to just say, hey, I'll move up and wait, and they're going to have to follow me if they want this? I will say, given that he really sort of sought out the Lomachenko fight for a while and, um, and what he was able to do in that fight and everything with it, I'll, I'll give him the credit in saying that I'm sure if those fights were offered to him under even reasonable amounts, he would take it. Like, I do think he is that guy. But it is very simplistic to present the disputes that happen between entrenched powers in boxing as simple as a contract was there, I wanted it, they didn't. Yeah. It is always more complicated yeah. than that. And so it's easy to like bash your opponents that way because it makes you look good. And again, I do think he would sign up to fight any of those guys. I really truly believe that, but never it's never that easy. And it's just, just to close on what's gonna happen with this trailer thing, he did tell us. <laughs> we actually don't know what's gonna happen we with this trailer. We don't, but thing. he did tell us if it all falls apart, that's fine. Yep. ESPN and top rank will put this fight on and we can handle it that way. And also, um, the IB George Cambosos basically told Triller, I'm not flying from Australia to the States until you have a cemented date down. I'm not gonna do one or the other. And the IBF backed Cambosos in that regard. No so way. finally, there's some adults again in the boxing room standing hey, up. Remember and when they were gonna this. revolutionize the boxing? model. Remember that? I was like, let me get this straight. The argument is that Triller is going to revolutionize the boxing model because prior to them, no one thought to burn money by putting musical acts in between fights. Really? That's the idea? That's revolutionizing them? You fucking idiots? Look, you want to go down the old guy route and, you know, Ryan Kavanaugh was on the Ariel Hawani show and saying, you know, Holyfield's going to fight again and you guys were wrong. He slipped and all this just long form bullshit. Yeah. You want to go the circus route, stay the circus route, stay out. Of the, of the real boxing lane is my take, but we'll see what happens. But Luke, that was not the biggest boxing story of the day yesterday because as soon as we wrapped up with Teofimo on set, 
not too long after you and I hosted the back end of the Canelo Alvarez Caleb Plant press conference ahead of November 6th. Luke, that shit got hairy, bro. It got super fucking hairy. So yesterday, of course, was the formal announcement November 6th from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Caleb Plant will take on Canelo Alvarez. This will be for the unification of super middleweight. That's 168 pounds. Um, it's a big fight. No one's ever unified in that weight class before, or fully unified, I should say. Uh, and if he does it, it would be huge, huge business. But, of course, prior to even yesterday's presser, there had been words. We've been covering the story here on this show. You guys might remember Oscar Valdez, who popped and was still allowed to fight. He's in the same team as Canelo. They have the same trainer in Eddie Reynoso. And Caleb Plant took to Twitter about a week or two ago to just blast Team Canelo, blast Eddie Reynoso, blast Oscar Valdez. It was Nick Diaz like being like, everyone's on steroids. It was everyone's like that, on so. steroids, basically. And so when they finally met face-to-face yesterday, dude, it got ugly. It got ugly. Now, they're probably, probably it's fair to say, you know, I'm not some genius, but the, I know how to run press conferences. There should have been someone in between them. I can think we it's do a, fair if you say. missed it, can we show the full screen here and show you if you missed it? So there was a lot of talk face-to-face about... Canelo's response to the drug issues, but it was really when Caleb Plant reportedly called him a motherfucker, Luke, that Canelo's translation of that from Spanish to English, he thought it was a mom joke, and he told us afterwards in our interview, no one disrespects my mom, and then, Luke, after this shove coming up from Canelo, if anyone's missed it, watch it now for the first time. So he shoves him, dude, watch this slip, and this slip and write from Canelo. Okay, okay, okay. A cut under the right eye of Caleb Plant. Luke, it was this close to going too far where the fight could be jeopardized. Luckily, we still had the pressure. We seemed to still be having a fight. And afterwards, Caleb Plant's like, it's a surface-level scratch, guys. It's not a deep cut like you all tweeted out and reported. For his sake, I hope that's true. Um, Caleb Plant also, overnight, you know, his mother died a couple years ago. She had a lot of problems. She was shot by a police officer. And he said, why would I ever make a mom joke? You know, this was misinterpretation from Canelo. However it was set up or handled, Luke, you can't lie, this raised the intensity of this fight. It's going to raise the attention on this fight. There's already a busy night in combat sports with a big UFC card at MSG. But Showtime's back in business with the number one name in the game. And we have it, a personal rivalry, which, as you and I talked about in the post-show yesterday after this press conference went down, when was the last time you saw a Canelo opponent? Okay, Jesus. Triple G had a couple one-liners, but get to this level where they're crossing that line and getting in his face and pushing him and throwing punches. I, I mean, I, I, you and I have both seen a lot of Canelo face-offs. I've never seen that. I've never seen that with him. But if you think about it, it's kind of funny at 168 how it's gone. It starts with Rocky Fielding, who was just a, I mean, you know, in terms of Canelo opponents, was just a guy, a basically. Lamb. And then it got a little bit, well, a lot more serious with Callum Smith, but he was still very professional and gentlemanly, and it was still, you know, above board and everything. You saw a little bit of that go away with Billy Joe Saunders. Billy Joe Saunders kind of saying some things. He talked that shit, yeah. Being cheeky, as they might say, a little bit. And now it's just gone full out. This is your rival. Call him a drug cheat on Twitter to his face at the press conference. He has made it rather personal, I must say. Not the, 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 you know, there's all, things always get lost in translation. And, you know, obviously calling someone a motherfucker doesn't mean he actually thinks he bangs his own mother, uh, which did not need to be spelled out. I just did anyway. But the point being is... You know, obviously he didn't say that. I mean, I'm hosting a show on a drug rug, so who am I to judge (laughs) anyone right now? But, Luke, let's say this. I spent, you know, we because we ended up getting a chance to interview both fighters afterwards and check out our Canelo Alvarez interview specifically right now on the Morning Combat channel on YouTube, we had to wait. We had to do something in the business called vamping, which we are just experts at filling time. 52 minutes. 
they gave us a pile of um, of shit lemons, and they were make they were like make some shit lemonade, and I thought it tasted pretty good what we made. But the point in our in I did the, barf later. The ma- <laughs> more on that to come. The point in our vamping in that that I tried to make was I thought this was a victory for Caleb Plant. I thought he was like, yo, I might be the crazy guy here. But I'm trying to show you that I'm not afraid of you. I'm trying to show you that November 6th, unlike your other opponents, this is going to be a real fight because I'm coming for it. I'm bringing it. I need to show you that right now. And I think it was a thumbs up marketing wise for people to take it serious. But the overwhelming response I saw on social media, though, was like, yo, this clown plant, it's already 10-6 Canelo after what we saw. He not only cut you, he not only clowned you, he not only all this. Do you feel that way? I don't know that I, again, I'm never one of these guys who goes to the press conference and was like, who won the presser? Because I've seen Floyd lose a lot of pressers and then win a lot of fights, right? It's just the way that it goes. Okay, but I will say, we talked about this yesterday. I do feel like if you're Caleb Plant, A, if you feel that way, then say the way you feel. If you think he's a drug cheat, then say that, right? You never want to censor fighters. And I do think that Caleb Plant having concerns about Canelo, I don't know that that speaks for the majority of boxing fans, but I do know it speaks for a certain kind of boxing fan who probably like that Caleb Plant is advocating for the cause in the way in which that he is. I do think that part is true. And again, if that's the way he feels naturally, fine. Also, as we said before, being the nice guy against Canelo doesn't do you any favors. He will not take any more mercy on you. If you're going, if he's going to win, it will just go that way. Why not just go in there and be antagonistic? See what that gets you. And again, on top of it, if you feel that way, you want to be antagonistic. You want to assert that you're the man. Do that. I think, though, what's driving this, BC, and he said it as well, when he had his chance after everything calmed down to then speak at the lectern, what he was saying was his address was to people who had been criticizing him this whole time. And a lot of athletes do this, but he had like a singular focus all, the entire time speaking about it. I think this guy feels like the boxing world feels like his success is accidental. Yes. He probably feels like Canelo doesn't respect him. He probably feels like Canelo got ahead of him because he is a drug cheat. And if he wants to take drugs, he could be up there. He could be that guy, but he doesn't do that because he feels he's a man of principle. And so he wants to send a message to himself, to the world, and to everybody else about his actual place in this whole entire hierarchy. Yes, I believe they're guilty, and I hope they're burning hell. That's, that was some brimstone the, out of you. The, I like the, that. The problem is that you can make a very clear argument for Canelo that Clembiderol from Tainted Meat in Mexico is actually super well documented across athletes. Yo, we should, we should order some of that. Dude, I'll, at this point, dude, why are we not taking steroids? That's we gonna are be fucking a future, pathetic. That's gonna, you know, morning combat uh, special segments usually involve us drinking too much and then throwing up afterwards. More to come on last night's events. But uh, we should get more into the PED side with our MK Fucking A. What are, hold, what are we holding on to? By the way, if you're wondering about documentary 5.0, donkeymentary. Um, dude, you've been lying to them about I that. I have been, but uh, Friday. Guys, Friday. All right. Jay, less than Jake, Friday. Friday, okay? It's coming. It's the fifth chapter in this. It's going to be intense. Uh, All right. So, Luke, I believe that Caleb Plant put out a stronger front than people realize. You know, Canelo told, told Mark Raimondi, ESPN, who covered it live uh, on the scene afterwards in Beverly Hills, that he already thinks he won the fight, Canelo does, based on what happened. You know, like, like Caleb Plant stepped to him and Canelo countered. Like, he already believes he won the fight window. mentally, Whoop, physically, and all that. We're going to find out. I, I just think that uh, whatever chance you gave Caleb Plant coming in, Again, you could read what happened yesterday as this shows you he has no chance. Look at him. He's desperate. Or you can read it as this is going to raise his game up to an even higher level. Maybe this is what he needs to do to look in that mirror and get himself fired up. So, Let me ask uh, you this. It's interesting. Oh, so uh, we haven't seen the fight yet, but I'll ask it this way. You have Rocky Fielding, Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, and now Caleb Plant. Yes. 
Is there a chance in your mind that the Caleb Plant fight could be the best of all of Canelo's title unifications in this weight class? Uh, I believe it has the chance to be the best entertainment-wise because I believe what we saw yesterday shows you that Caleb Plant is going to be willing to lose dramatically if, if that's what it takes. Oh, I, I mean, when you come at Canelo like that, you're going to have to bring a different mindset into the ring because, right. look, Rocky Fielding, Callum Smith, I mean, they never stopped trying they were never in that fight. And Billy Joe Saunders, once he got his face broken, was just sort of like, I'm out of here and I don't, I don't begrudge him that. I, I'm not saying I, I necessarily know that Caleb Plant is better or, or more tougher challenge than those three. And some of that is what we haven't seen yet from Caleb. He had looked great in taking the title from Jose Uzcategui. Then he had three more or less Ho -ho. showcasing title defenses. We have not seen that. Can he raise his game? All I'm saying is I'm more jacked up. Luke, you and I were sitting here watching that. And I was like, I was that dude in the crowd at White Man Can't Jump. I'm like, yeah, yeah, get that shit. Yeah, well, listen, right? I, think, I think it doesn't serve you, as we said this before, it does not serve you to be his professional partner. Like, we'll just be yes. great buddies. It will not spare you if he's going to win. It's like so. you and I. Everyone wants us to be life partners and go tip on tip. Yo, I hate, I, yo, I'll, yo, I'll tell your ass to your face what I think of you, Luke, okay? No, you won't. No, you won't. And you love me anyway. Uh, okay, let's go to point number four here. We stay with boxing's heavyweight division. By the way, this is a huge week for boxing, too. We just saw all the pressers and whatnot. And also, we should tell the audience, BC, we will probably be in Las Vegas for the Canelo fight, not in New York for the UFC fight, although we will have UFC coverage on the ground while we are in Las Vegas. Full, full, full coverage. So don't think we won't. Right. We have some big plans for that. But okay, speaking of the heavyweight division, as we know, Anthony Joshua is back, ladies and gentlemen, just days away. How good is Saturday going to be when you can warm up with Usyk versus Joshua and then go right into the prelims and everything else for UFC 266? It's going to be great. Okay, but BC, you kind of want to focus on the fact that we have Joshua, Usyk, Wilder, and Fury. They're going to fight within about a month's time. October 9th is the trilogy for Fury and Wilder, so you essentially have a final four. Right, so which of the top boxers have the best chance at being undisputed so next? So, in a perfect world, right, Joshua and Usyk are going to fight this Saturday. Two weeks or so after Fury Wilder 3, the winners then would fight, what, spring of next year? And we would have, for the first time in the four-belt era, an undisputed heavyweight champion. One face, one name, one division. I mean, we came close with Vladimir Klitschko, who had three or four titles and was, like, the recognized guy. But there was always that one flo title floating around. Um, this is what we want in the sport. Now, will, it, will we get there? Will we have that? Boxing has a lot of shenanigans. But when you look at the four here, Luke, and I also want to keep two other names in the conversation. Dillian White who probably has next after these fours. You know, the next toughest, highest-rated guy. And Andy Ruiz, who's still a bit of a wild card. I think Luis Ortiz had his time. He's gone. I think, you know, Robert Hellenius, Adam Kovnatsky, I think they're a step down. But I think there are six heavyweights right now active that, that, that have a say in this. And specifically of this Final Four, who's going to come out on top and have the best chance of being your undisputed champion in 2022 and finally fulfill this, right? One man, one, one name. The odds are going to tell you it's Tyson Fury. You were going to agree with that, correct? Mm -hmm. Six foot nine, undefeated. We saw what he can do to Deontay Wilder. You know, walked through hell the first time to outpoint him, stuck with the draw. Walked him down and stopped him in the second one. If, if AJ and, and Fury were fighting today like they were supposed to in the original plan, I would have favored him there. Who gives you the best chance, though, if Fury's our betting early favorite in this, to upset that apple cart? Who would give Fury in the finals of this unofficial tournament the best chance at, at, at breaking these plans and becoming your undisputed champion by next year? The, the wild card for me has always been and remains. You know, I've never given Usyk much of a chance in that way. But if, for me, the wild card has always remained uh, wilder. 
Wilder has always remained the wild card. He is not a better boxer than Anthony Joshua. He is not a better boxer than Tyson Fury. That part we, we, we sort of know definitively. But he just has a kind of historical power that is fight-altering on a moment's notice. It carries late. And to the extent he can lay a glove on someone, he can, he can win. It is it's just as simple as that. He barely landed a glove on Tyson Fury in the second fight, which is why it partly went the way that it did. He is coming out here, and BC and I have been paying close attention to it, uh, he had who was in his camp? Otto Valin? Uh, no, he had Robert Hellenius in Hellenius. as his sparring partner. So the six foot seven who's going to be on the undercard. Why slugger. is that relevant? Why is that? Why is that so important? Because you know, uh, Wilder's camp has always been in Alabama. He had Jay Diaz. He had uh, Mark Breland, obviously for a while until he unceremoniously dumped him. But I don't think that was like looked at as a top level, extreme elite camp in which we're constantly bringing in the top names. It was more of like what people uh, from the outside looking in were like a lot of yes men around Deontay Wilder. And I think the difference is he's now got a different trainer in Malik Scott, his old friend and former foe. Still got Jay Diaz in the camp. Now he's bringing in Don House, a very well-respected guy. We know him as a UFC cut man, but also he was the trainer of Bermain Stavern when he won the heavyweight title from Chris Ariola, and then you lost it to Deontay Wilder in their first fight that went to a decision. He's bringing in smart minds. He's sparring with the right people. He seems to be focused on going to the body. He has a I, crazy look in his eyes. He has a crazy-ass shit look in his eyes. And I've always said if he can recreate how crazy he was in that Bermain Stavern rematch in that first round finish yeah. when he just came out there and let his hands go, if he's going to be different and more dangerous and crazier, it's not out of the question that he that he can get an upset of Fury and to what you're basically trying to say. The odds will tell you Fury's going to come out on top. Mm -hmm. The odds will probably also tell you that AJ's going to be the guy standing across from him, and if they meet for the Undisputed Championship next year, that's a monster fight in England and beyond. I mean, that's a crossover, get everybody from every other sport fan and bring them in, you got to watch heavyweight boxing again type of fight. I'm not sure Wilder... May not end up in that, though. Seriously. I, I'm not talking myself into this. This guy's freaking scary. And he has a callus built up on him. And he's telling himself that everybody in his camp, from Fury to Mark Brillin, have been cheating him. And this costume he wore was the reason he lost. He's telling himself a lot of bullshit to con himself into believing that no one has ever faded him or can fade him. And that's who you need to be if you're going to be the gunslinger of the heavyweight division. So it's going to get interesting. Yet, for all this talk that we're doing about... Fury and probably AJ or maybe Wilder. Dude, Usyk's a live freaking dog on Saturday. Why? Because AJ is still perceived what he's always been. A big star with big power who can box, yes. But vulnerable, Luke. Andy Ruiz got to him on the worst night mentally of, of his career. Other people have rocked him at times. But Luke, I think what made AJ's run, and he has the best resume of them all, let's be honest. The, the title defenses he's had, the names that he's beaten, you got to give AJ his flowers. He is he is the most decorated heavyweight at the moment, w without question. But he's been vulnerable along the way. Like even Carlos Tackham hurt him with a jab, and like you know he's he's had to sort of bite down and hang on. And he got dropped against Klitschko and got up and finished him. And you know there there's some like there's certainly some things that you look at that with respect. But I think he can be had by a puncher. I also wonder if Usyk is the perfect rare boxer. Why is Tyson Fury special in this era? Because nobody that big and long and that quick with that mind boxes and moves like that. Usyk is smaller, but nobody moves in boxes like Usyk. It's funny. Rafe Bartholomew, a guy I love and respect, who shows up on this show every once in a while on the Boxing Hardcores, you and him both presented me the same thing that I hadn't thought about. Okay, BC, you're an Usyk guy. If you're believing that he's going to win against AJ, if that's where you're going to end up predicting, and we'll find out on Friday which way I'm leaning, um, do you think it could happen by stoppage? Is nobody talking about this this fact that maybe because Usyk is so accurate, even though he's not known for big power, and that AJ fades in the second half of certain fights, 
I'm just telling you all these facts to show you that it's not a foregone conclusion that Usyk is the one entering this finals of this uh, this tournament. Luke, could you want to be That's in the guy to be the guy? Could you want to be in a better spot if you're if you're a fan of heavyweight boxing right now than this right now? It's like wake up everybody. We got players with personalities. They're all vulnerable to a degree, maybe with the exception of Fury. Even though Fury's vulnerable because his personal life may go off the rails. He totally. plays down to the level of his competition. This is a fun-ass time because everybody has enough flaws to make any matchup fun. This is where I want to be. We just need these fights to take place. The only concern I have is, let's say Usyk wins. Wouldn't, rather than be, there being a full-on unification, so let's say Fury wins and then Usyk wins and it ends up being Fury Usyk or whatever it is. It won't, though, right? Because if Usyk wins, they're going to make the Joshua rematch. Uh History would tell you that's probably true. Right. Yes. So, so you almost the unification have to beat him seems a little bit like Andy Ruiz. You're gonna have to try to beat him twice, right? Right. right. It's right. interesting. Although it's he, uh, although Usyk probably, if he does beat him the first time, won't come in seven thousand pounds the second time. No. Our UK fans, though, and we have a lot of them. Shout them out, Luke. We got fans all over the globe. Okay? It's the home of home of boxing. They don't. They they think we're big Fury nut huggers. And they, don't, they don't think we give AJ the respect he deserves for what he has accomplished. How do you respond to that? Um. Don't think it's a credible charge. You can, if you like AJ, like him. If you think he's better, say he's better. I, I don't know what the evidence would be that um, he is a better boxer than Tyson Fury. I don't know what that would be. Um, he's a finisher, though. AJ's a finisher. Great, not a better boxer. No, nope. not a better boxer. Better, maybe better athlete. Big, big, big damn star. Big, that, that huge kid, okay? fucking he, star. He knows what Monster he's doing. Star. And he just signed, by the way, with Eddie Hearn. It was also big news yesterday on a busy yeah. boxing day. A lifetime contract to well, close his career. Well, I mean, come that's on. A, that's, like, that's like saying I signed a lifetime contract with my wife. Yeah, you just get divorced later. Well, like, it doesn't... Uh, Luke, a lot of people are pressuring us to sign a lifetime contract. You're signing a prenup, bitch. That's uh, what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making you sign a prenup. Luke, you and I are always one bad show or argument from this this uh, this creation. We still have one, uh, we have one more quick hitters topic to get yes. to us, Burn through here very quickly if we can. Speaking of boxing, this one I thought was kind of weird. Did Manny Pacquiao retire or did he not? If you ask Manny Pacquiao, he says he's retired. If you ask people in charge of his affairs, they say he's not retired at all. BC, is Manny Pacquiao retired? So this is really weird. So here's the direct quote that is making this difficult that all the outlets are running with. Pacquiao talked after announcing his his goal to run for president next year in the Philippines, and he's an underdog in this regard, but it's still huge news for the, what, 43-year-old, 40, Luke? Whatever he is. Whatever he is. He said, my boxing career, my boxing career is already over when he talked to the Tony Talks YouTube channel. It's done because I've been in boxing for a long time, and my family says that's it. Enough. I just continued to box because I'm passionate about this sport. Luke, everybody ran with that headline and basically said, Pacquiao claims family pushes him into retirement. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, yet MP Promotions, Pacquiao's promotional company run by uh, Sean Gibbons is the head there, a longtime boxing guy. Luke, they're coming out one after another to Coppinger, Dioli, to all the big names and refuting it and saying, no, Manny will decide in October whether he's actually done. I've never seen it before where they're saying, despite what the fighter himself has said publicly, <laughs> the fighter himself hasn't decided. Like, this is yeah. bizarre. Like, this motherfucker doesn't know. He doesn't know what he, yeah, he's a little, you know. Some still wonder, as we talked about uh, the other day, the other show was, is Pacquiao potentially using the idea of a Yugos rematch to fuel more votes as the hero coming back? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put it past him. He's long been a, I know. Okay, but if you wanna, like, do Filipinos really care if Pacquiao beats Ugas? 
Or do they care if he just beats some schmo and then makes him look like a dumbass that's, that's and he gets fair, raised and, a, and exalted just for being a winner? He doesn't tend to do things small, though, but I get what you're saying. You almost want him to, like, do the crimes of an old name and just bring in somebody just who can Just find some guy. MMA fighter in Triller and uh, go make some cash. Um, it, it, it's interesting. He's been, a, you know, he's been a longtime senator, and he's, that hasn't stopped him. I know being a president would be... You would think a different type of time commitment. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we're not seeing uh, your boy Donald Trump in the ring, although he did threaten on that trailer broadcast to take out Joe Biden. Uh, yeah, along with Andy Silver. <laughs> um, this is weird. This is interesting. But that's uh, that's our first quick hitter. What else you got? Second of all, was our producer wrote that it's Triller. It is not Triller. But uh, the Riddick Bow versus Lamar Odom fight is off. Thank fucking God. All right, here's what happened. It's the celebrity boxing. Celebrity is boxing is the promoter, and it was they, they're just beyond gross. They were booking. Uh, Riddick Bow, who has, I mean, less than zero business being involved in even an exhibition, frankly, at this point. Let's, say, let's say something honest. Riddick Bow at age 28 was completely washed. Right. Like, we're talking he's 54, yes. 55, And, and like so, like, this is a crime for October 2nd in South Florida. Right. Um, we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Thank you, though, that there's somebody stepped up here. So the Association of Boxing Commissions condemned it. Lots of people condemned it. Although the Florida Commission sanctioned it, which they're just unbelievably gross people. Nevertheless, the amount of pushback the, caused the promoter to rethink things. They put out a tweet, I think today, saying that due to pressure and the Bo family and his, and his business people not being honest about the state of his health. You knew about this. Everybody it. knew about the state of his health. Celebrity boxing trying to pass the buck to Bo's team. And maybe Bo's team is probably guilty. They may have sold him a bad bill oh, of goods. At the same time, dude, you had a moment to do due diligence before you announced it. Don't pass the buck now. And it's bad timing coming off of the Evander Holyfield in the same state, bad sort of PR that came out of that Triller event. Damon Feldman is the promoter of celebrity boxing, who is the, what, the brother of the BKFC. I like David um, Feldman. David from, Feldman. From BKFC. I think he's a good promoter. I don't know what his brother is. So doing. the co-main event will still be going on, Paulie Malignaggi versus uh, radio TikToker. host TikToker Corey B. Uh, but uh, the plans right now is that Lamar Odom will stay on the card in the main event against a, quote, different celebrity. Yes, so, hopefully uh, somebody who um, yeah. is not in that kind of condition. I'll leave it yeah. at that because I don't want to say anything bad about Riddick Bowe. Uh, last but not least, BC... BC, did you play baseball growing up? I did. I what, did. what position did you play? Um, I floated, but at my best, I was a first baseman. I, I did some time in the outfield, too. Yeah, I did most of my time in the outfield. Yeah. I had a decent arm when I was a little bit of a kid. That's it. That's all good. Okay. Couldn't hit, couldn't hit okay. for shit, but I, had, I could throw I could throw, you know, with one hop. The only, to, the to the only quality I had was I needed an adult-sized cap each year because the yeah. shape of my head is like I've got this large thing I had a seven. I had a seven and a half inch cap. On my I, fitted at age thirteen. Okay, I was. I had a fucking. Melon. I was seven and a half when I was in eighth grade, and I went up to seven and five eighths in high school. <laughs> I mean, it's, I have an uncle who had an eight. People always. Way, my my dad's a seven and a quarter. My mm. mom was a seven and an eighth, and I had uncles who were up as high as eight. Well, you got some Neanderthals in that family. I just think we're, we're really intelligent, you know. Well, you got plenty of room for a brain. I don't know what's filling it up, but the point being is that we got some big ass melons too. But um, Conor McGregor. Didn't really play in a game, but he did throw out the first pitch at, I believe it was Wrigley Field, where the Cubs are uh, famously playing. 
I believe we have footage of it. Let me see. We got see a couple it. different angles here. Uh, Luke, is this 50 cent level bad? Can we go full screen on this, Manich? I need Let's to see, see this, okay? I need to see this shit. Brett Okamoto on the tweet here. That's a tight suit, first of all. Oh boy. Okay. Just a bit outside, Luke. Wow. Well, dude, that's John Wall bad. That is, John Wall bad. Yeah, that. Uh, I mean, remember when Connor was I, at MSG for 205 and he was shooting jump shots and he like rattled one home and it looked weird and awkward? This is way worse. Is that a thong suit? Uh, yeah, Luke? I mean, could your pants be tighter? I mean, what are we doing? Wow. Also, also, would you throw out the first pitch? I mean, it's a nice suit. It's a very nice suit, obviously. Would you throw out the first pitch with the jacket on, with the suit? No, you should have taken it off. Right? I feel like that's sort of... Which you got to give um, George W. respect in that first game after 9-11 at Shea Stadium when he threw that strike wearing the bulletproof vest. Man, fuck that war criminal. I don't care about him. Uh, he belongs in The Hague. Uh, okay, not the best. Not the best attempt I've ever seen. Well, from look, the first it's, it's the, everyone that's ever done it has said it's way harder than you realize. Of course because it is. the of distance is. is far. You're up high on the mound, don't forget, right? Yeah. And, I mean, that's a far ass distance. Okay, but did Conor McGregor practice? The thing is, what they tell you to do is forget your windup. You're not a pro. Just focus in on just lobbing in a strike. That's what they do. Dude, tell you. all you got to do is just get it to the Because if you try to throw a strike, it'll be in the dirt. And if you, if you're an asshole, it'll be. In the crowd, like yeah. like that just happened. Um, and if you're 50 Cent, it'll be like backwards. It'll be like over there. Um, you know who? Remember Simone Biles did like a backflip into well, it. Well, she's and, special. I mean, and then there's like these Asian women who do the backflip and they throw it while they're upside down. And it's a strike. It's like a I've party seen that, trick. I've seen it's that one too. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that too. Those are the real stars of this operation. I feel like I feel like you, you just got to get it to the catcher. As long as the catcher can reach without having to leave the seated position. Yes. yes. That's all you got. Francis Ngannou. We played it on. Have you seen this shit? He threw a sidearm into the dirt. You know, for a big dude, he just sort of was like. Oh. Wait, the dirt as in the pitcher's mound? Uh, no, like the grass in front okay, of him, okay, like okay. it bounced in. I mean, did he, he fucking spike it? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, how did I he get I don't think he dirt? grew up playing baseball, Luke. You know? Yeah, I don't think um, I don't think baseball's too big in Cameroon. Oh, um, okay, boy. that's it for uh, that's it for this. So, BC, I don't want you to forget. Before we move on, we need to talk about my testicles. Oh boy! All know, right, this is great. Manscaped is keeping things fresh this fall season with a brand new fourth gen performance package. Luke, I got to tell you, I've used these products. I'm not only the hair club president, I'm also a client. They work, okay? Uh, a shorn scrotum, it is breathtaking. So if you want to clean up down there, if you're still in the game, unlike Luke and I, who only do this for our own shits and giggles, um, there used to be ways you'd hurt yourself. No longer. The the, the Manscaped lawnmower, which comes with the, the rash guard on top. Look, it is as simple as pie. It's got a light on it so you can use it in the shower. It's waterproof. Yep. It's cordless. It's... Yeah. It gets the job done. And then, look, we don't want fancy bells and whistles for this type of stuff. We just want something that works. Something works. that works. If you don't want to carve up your man jewels like a pumpkin, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 includes the new Lawnmower 4.0. It also includes a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. That's proprietary, by the way. It is. There's also a 4,000 LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Plus, how about this, BC? It's waterproof. How about that? Well, definitely, Luke. But you know what else is important according to the script? Keeping your jewels smelling nice. So when you get the package that Manscaped sends you... Luke, there's you, so many insults you, I want to say. <laughs> it also comes with the Crop Preserver ball deodorant. And uh, Luke, I'll tell you what. It works. Yes. And how about the Weed Whacker, yeah. Yeah. which by the way is painless, yeah. does the job of getting the ear hair out and the nose hair out 
All of that is uh, ready for you guys. If you want to get the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 that comes with the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of your goodies in one, you can get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code COMBAT, K-O-M-B-A-T, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code COMBAT. Listen, I know that... Our listeners and fans who stormed the Capitol on January 6th probably have Billy Goat here under their scrotum. Are you talking about Antoine reaching, from Alaska? Yes, reaching down to their knees. You need this, and I can get you a deal where for every five dollars they'll take one off, and then they'll send it to you for free. What are you waiting for? Yeah, just do that. Aside shit, from being okay? federally indicted. I mean, if you're in the game, still do that shit. Thank you very much, Luke. I got to be honest. People, people thought mostly because you proclaimed it to be true the other day that we would have a live Wheel of Death here in the studio today. I did proclaim that. What happened? Okay, oh. a couple things happened. Number one, the wheel... You backed out is the really the well, answer. Well, number one, the wheel's not even on this coast. Somebody left it out in the West Coast. Okay, but that's true, but the producer said he could get you a wheel, so that really number wasn't a limiting two, factor. what they don't realize is, for as much as I get made fun of, Luke, for the long intros, it takes a couple hours to form these questions, and last doesn't night... Doesn't need to. Last night, you and I recorded a special piece of business on the rooftop here in Jersey City with our brethren, our beloved. Can we say the name out loud? People have seen this already? Yes. Chuck Mindenhall was Iceman. back. We broke things down UFC 266 style like men do last night, okay? You want an X's and O's preview? Come back on Friday when this nerd brings his stats out. You want to break this fight card down like men do? That's where we were last night, okay? Paper bags and all. So uh, I didn't have time to put together wheel questions. Luke can really do it right. So if you can't do that it right, should you bastardize it? No. So what are we going to do instead of Wheel of Death? Uh, we've got another segment for the second time ever, Luke. The first time with Aaron Bronstetter. It's called Call Me Crazy. Oh, God. Luke, I've been... Um, by the way, you can buy... Apparently, you can buy this T-shirt on our website, the Call Me Crazy T-shirt. I didn't approve that. Uh, Luke, here's the deal. Um, sometimes I have some interesting takes, but sometimes... I'm on to something. So I'm going to read you five different takes, thoughts I have on the world of combat sports. And I want to get your honest take of whether uh, now, whether me, my 9-11 theories are way off or whether now are you, we like, need an investigation. With, with these opinions, are these sincere opinions or yes, are you doing are. a bit? They are sincere opinions. Okay. Holy Jesus. All right. Luke, Oscar De La Hoya, the 48-year-old boxing Hall of Famer who narrowly avoided a v Vitor Belfort. Did you see what he said today? He said... <laughs> He would offer Floyd $100 million for a rematch. Where is he going to get $100 million? Luke, can, I, can you stop interrupting me so I yes. can read about the $100 million? I did raise my hand, though. Sorry. Okay, okay, Luke. Um, so Oscar Luke, just days after getting out of the hospital and beating COVID to avoid the fight with Vitor Belfort, and we wish Oscar well, he was caught by TMZ in the after hours in a club with his girlfriend. He was doing some karaoke singing, and they caught him afterwards. He said, I, I endured five days of hell in that hospital. But he also said what you just alluded to that he has a backer of some kind that has $100 million for Oscar to fight Floyd a second time. Of course, they fought in 2007, my wedding day, the one of the still, to this day, what, the second or third biggest fight in the sports history. Luke, no one actually believes that Oscar has that money, to be honest with you, nor that the public would be all that interested in a rematch at this point. But call me crazy for a second. Floyd at least picks up the phone when Oscar calls and says, you got any receipts? Is this $100 million for real? Does Floyd get out of bed for this news? No. No. He does not get out of bed for this news. No. 
100, as Nolan, our sound guy, said yesterday, shout out to Nolan, by the way, he would, he would kick your ass, mm -hmm. dude, first of all. But second of all, 100 million is still 100 million for an easy night out at the, at the I'm sure Floyd has no respect for Oscar. Thinks, Zero. Thinks he's more of a clown than he ever was. Correct. Doesn't believe in him physically in this comeback that he wants. You're telling me he's not even picking up that phone, bro. No, no. He might ask Leonard Ellerby to pick up the phone. He's not picking up that phone. You're not getting Floyd anywhere near a table or a phone call until several people have even determined that this is, you know, not merely remotely possible, but like, yeah, very, very doable, in fact. And even then, dude, beating De La Hoya for 100 mil, why would you fight De La Hoya, who would be at least something of a kind of challenge? especially for Floyd's diminished skills relative to how they used to be and whatever he still got. That's still a reasonably tough challenge. You could make maybe half that and then fight somebody you could just walk fucking right through. Why would you take even a challenge where there's a real possibility you could lose for that kind of a purse? No, there's no chance he would ever do that. Okay, and not for $100 million. Maybe $400 million okay. he might. All right, call me crazy. I think he's taking that phone call. Number no. two, Luke, at age 38, of course, Nick Diaz returns from a six-year layoff inside the Octagon this weekend. Luke, you know his teammate Gilbert Melendez, of mm -hmm. course? He told the Fighter vs. Writer podcast this week that if Diaz wins on Saturday at UFC 266, quote, he's in title contention. Mm -mm. Everyone's going to campaign to fight him. Now, Luke, with all due respect to everyone in this situation, one can call me crazy but suggesting Nate Diaz might be in the title contention and that... Wait, Nate or Nick? Nick, I'm sorry. sorry. I, I, I apologize for our resume review when I said Nate a lot. I did catch myself each time, but I did say it a lot. By suggesting he might be in title contention by sending Robbie Lawler to his fifth straight defeat, call me crazy, that's the most absurd thing I've heard surrounding this promotion this week. That's pretty absurd. However, call me crazy, BC. But let's say he beats Lawler and looks like he did beating BJ Penn. Let's just say. Okay, he's not going to do that. But let me give you an in-between. Do you remember when Nick, this is Nick, do you remember when Nate came back from his layoff against Pettis. Anthony Pettis? Mm -hmm. Where we weren't sure what to believe. And then we're like, oh shit, Nate still got it. Yep. Is there, what if there's a middle ground version of that for Nick? Where it's not the BJ fight, because he still had it in the BJ fight. Right. But he still has something, and he finishes Robbie a second time. There's going to be absolute arms race of people ready to fight him. He, uh, the so part, then you're supporting the, what Gilbert's saying. So, I'm a little. The one part he is incontestably right about is if Diaz wins and looks even remotely good doing it where fans have a good feeling about it, whatever that means, everyone and their brother from 155 to 185 and even beyond are going to be calling him out because they like the style of probably fighting him, especially with the ones who are ground operators who feel like they could take him down without much issue, right, that kind of a thing. They are going to be all over it. That part is true. And what that might lead to is a potential matchup, not for the title, but for a fight that gets you much closer to the title than you ever thought so possible. So like a BMF with Masvidal. Something like that. Some kind of in-betweener that's fucking huge. Hey. And if you won that, well then... That's a slightly different conversation. Okay. I, I, that is possible. The theory of this question is the whole title contention thing that makes me upset. Like, I don't know how the UFC could book Nick against Usman, even if Nick beats Lawler. Usman would do terrible things so to him. So maybe with Connor's sliding stock right now, it's maybe possible. that's, maybe that, you know, or Masvidal, maybe those are the fights that are still money fights, still the big deal. They're not freaking title fights. You can't do that. No. Do that. Yeah, I don't think you can do that. All right, Luke, number three. Despite having played a big role in training camp as a mentor for Caleb Plant, former pound-for-pound -pound king in boxing Andre Ward shut down rumors of a rivalry with Canelo Alvarez by telling FightHub.com on Tuesday 
I don't have a history with Canelo. There's nothing more to preserve or be worried about, end quote, related to the work he's doing in Caleb Plant's camp as like an advisor, mentor, in all that regard. Luke, there's, uh, call me crazy, but Andre Ward at age 37, five years retired, and a future Hall of Famer, last fought in 2017 at 175 against, against Sergey Kovalev. He's the only fighter at 175 or below <clears throat> that I believe, whether you're a hipster or not, that from a betting line, you could consider a possible favorite to, delete, to defeat Canelo Alvarez. No, Call me crazy. You are crazy. There are two other names I would add to that list easily. First off, Dimitri Bivol, you would put from what you said, 175 on Yeah, camera. but would you make him a betting favorite against Canelo on the run Canelo's on? I might at least consider it. I think it's probably pretty close. And then the one I would for sure make the favorite is Baterbiev. There is no doubt in my mind he would be the favorite. He is significantly bigger. He fucking packs absolute hammers for fist. He is a very talented boxer. He is a little long in the tooth in terms of his age, kind of get things going here a little bit late for himself. But... No, he is a monster of a hill to climb. I absolutely would favor him to win that contest. Dude, if Canelo, think about what we're saying here. If Canelo can go up and beat Bivol, you'd be super impressed. Dude, to go up and beat Batermiev would be fucking historic. I, I don't want to lie. Like, when six or nine months ago when we even talked about this idea. You dismissed we, the idea. We were of the idea of Canelo will never do that. I just think the... Dude, the, the, the destruction that he's put out, like a Callum Smith, a Billy Joe Saunders, if he does that to Caleb Plant, I don't know, even Baturbiev, who, by the way, looked human in his comeback from, a, from what, injury in a, a year-long or two-year layoff in his last fight, I still think that you're going to end up seeing Canelo as the betting favorite. What about specifically on the Call Me Crazy angle of Ward? Could Ward that far removed be a betting favorite? Because no. I think he's the only one with the size, IQ, versatility, and just pure craft He'd give Canelo trouble. I think he'd give Canelo trouble in the sense that uh, he's certainly just as smart of a boxer, if not smarter. So there's that. The thing that would potentially keep Ward from being the the guy with the favorable odds, although I agree with you, it could go in his direction too, but the one thing that might keep Canelo as that betting favorite is just the amount of questions that are raised with a five-year absence. With a five-year absence, it does make you wonder what is there. Certainly he's not taking any damage. You're not so much worried about that, but can he physically perform under... A guy like Canelo, who we have seen his power carry to 168, he is a physical force, even if it comes in a slightly smaller package in that sense. So that would that would tilt the scales. But I agree with you. The numbers would be interesting to look at. You would get some very close odds. I Ward's like. been off for four years, but if, it, if this fight happened, it would be five, five years yeah. by the time we would see him there. Luke, call me crazy number four. Future Hall of Fame running back, Frank Gore. You know that guy, right? Yes. He told NFL.com this week that despite rushing for 16,000 yards throughout his 16-year NFL career, uh, he's a free agent, and he's been training for one of two scenarios, getting picked up by an NFL team for one more run or becoming a pro boxer. The 38-year-old running back said that he has signed with noted MMA agent Malki Kawa okay. and has spent the last five weeks in, quote, full-tilt boxing training. Luke... Call me crazy, but this sounds like a really bad idea. I know that it, it fits in well with what we're doing right now in this era of celebrity boxing, but I feel like the bubble's bursting. He can't be serious about, at 38, making a real run. He's got to mm -hmm. be talking just so crossover celebrity, unless you can get Nate Robinson back in there. Well, I'll say this. We both thought kind of privately that the guy who fought Chad Ochocinco in Miami was going to deal him, was going to 
was going to put a hurting on him, and it, he did drop him. But Brian it, Maxwell. Brian Maxwell, but it didn't end up really going that way. In fact, Ocho Cinco did pretty well, especially early. Kind of faded down the stretch, but okay, it was a, what, a three- or four-round contest. He ended up doing fine. I think you could imagine a guy like Frank Gore doing something in a similar vein, but like, hey, oh, I'm a free agent, dude. Who wants a 38-year-old running back in the yeah. NFL? I mean, get out of town. No chance. And more to that point, that doesn't mean, though, that you're not probably a good athlete for a very narrow thing. What I would say is, if I was his advisor, clock's ticking to get one of these. Because well, these kinds of fights are going to go out of favor, I don't know how soon, but so when they do, they're going to be gone. You should probably fight Lamar Odom on October 2nd and get your money now. Big. Yo, Manich is saying, our producer, that can wasn't the, can on the, the air. Can the audience hear you? Oh, okay. No, no, no. No, no, no. Manich, our producer, uh, Corey, uh, said that Frank Gore was at the last, what, Jake Paul fight? Yeah. And he looked, he looked good. Well, of course he looks good. He's an NFL player. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but he's not He's not getting picked up for a reason. Like, let's be, let's be real about that. All right, Luke, one more call me crazy. Yo, be honest. Call me crazy, but we got way more drunk collectively last <laughs> night with Chuck Mindenhall than you ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined we might be on a weeknight in New Jersey in yeah. which one of us immediately after filming threw up in a sink yep. in front of all of his coworkers, That's and right. another one of us sprained his ankle on a sidewalk and threw up in a Mexican restaurant That's right. bathroom and then clogged the toilet with it. That's right. And then was told to just walk home in the rain. Yeah, we did. Luke, you and I have made fun of ourselves for years. We're not lying about who we are as 43 and 42-year-olds. But call me crazy, last night was pretty sad. It was a dark moment in this yeah, show's history. That was, uh, as BC said earlier, we were Chuck Liddell in the third Tito fight. I mean, <laughs> just a cool breeze could have knocked us over. We are just pathetic. Well, uh, you woke me up with a text this morning that was basically like, what's that scene in Cool Runnings where he's like, Sanka, you dead? And, uh, oh, here's the exchange where Luke's, you know, Luke, I'm like, you know, I'm alive, but I'm dead. And then Luke's like, you know, I'm glad we did that, but yeah. I'm not doing anything close to that again. And I, too, this, am this too old for this This is our actual text chain, yes. And then I'm like, you know, I do feel like Ben Askren after the after the Jake Paul fight. Yes. And, uh, Luke, you feel like him after the yeah, The Lawler, Lawler fight, fight, where he got slammed and then pounded. You know, I kind of look like Ben after that Ma Street Off fight right now, And Luke. I feel about as healthy as Askren after the Ma fight yeah. when he retired. Um, Luke. Yeah. Sorry, Ben. Didn't mean so to most of our, our staff mates here who, you know, you're going to find out in the fifth doc when they see the, the reported scenes of our, of our you know, that, that, uh, that frat party that broke out in the Indians box that I wasn't all into. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. These guys, these, they, they, this is like a regular. You're the most fratastic guy. This is I a know, regular Tuesday so night. Mark, the camera guy, it's a regular Tuesday night for him. You know, yeah. you know. I mean, he was pressuring us to put drugs in our system earlier. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's he was he's a pusher. Let's just be honest. Um, you that. know, this there's a guy Phil. He's got a bag full of seltzers. You know what I mean? Uh, was, there's some questionable folks. AKA when, fentanyl and oxy. When our lead producer, when our when our Tom Hanks from that thing you do, uh, Snidey, when he rolled in this morning and was like, BC, I feel embarrassed for you right now. Yeah. Luke, that that was um, so. You know, the proof will be in the pudding, as Floyd says, listen, when this listen, video comes be out. On, we, we we, I have to, I have to, I can't party anymore. I mean, I can go two parties or something, but I can't party anymore. I'm just a sad old thing. I mean, like, Luke, you, you just euthanize me already. Luke, will you? you threw up in a sink, like in there was like a public sink in a, like a in like a workforce kitchen. Yes, and like in like as we're walking by, you're like, oh wait, hold on one second. No, no. So what happened was I was standing against the wall and I started coughing because I was coughing and um, I won't say why. 
And then I, I, could, I couldn't, I could feel it come up and I swallowed it and I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm good. And then I could feel it, I'm like, uh-oh, this is, this is gonna happen. So I held my mouth so I wouldn't spray it everywhere. And then I went to the sink and barfed. Now here was, here was the funny part about it all. It wasn't a huge barf because I didn't have hardly anything in my stomach at that point, but it was of bad. Of course no. you would find a way to make this analytical somehow, Luke. Well, no, no, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm gonna work my way through this because BC made some fun of me. But not a ton. Because I've been there, right, bro? Well, it wasn't because you're empathetic. It's because the hammer then came down on you. Because we started walking to the restaurant, which, by the way, our staff is like, yeah, it's down the block. Motherfucker, that was the Bataan Death March. <laughs> that was the longest walk to a restaurant in human fucking history, okay? BC in the back. BC in the back is like, are we there yet? Yo, Fuck! I, was, yo, like, I just was couldn't believe how far away it was. Mikey, a headline for that clip, and I turned my ankle. He like, was... Uh, somebody was like, somebody was like, yo, you hear that crack sound, that snap? I was like, yeah, it's my ankle. Like, I, I sprained the shit out of my drunk ankle. So, hold on. So we get to the restaurant finally, because it did exist, and then it was good. And then I noticed BC is kind of quiet. Now, he's not really saying a whole lot. He's some he's, spicy chicken. He though. was sitting, it was, dude, it was salsa verde. It's not fucking spicy. Anyway, he goes to the bathroom and is gone for a while. And he came back and he goes, I'm so ashamed. I'm so full of shame. I... I just vomited everywhere. It's on my shoes. I think we need to go. We left soon after. Yeah, well, some parts of that story are true, not all of it. But um, did you vomit in the bathroom of the? Of I the was Mexican very discreet, though. Okay, I was. Um, so Luke, you have, you're, you're wearing shoes from 1974 because you barfed on your other ones. I think we should end this segment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, really do. I really do. I really do. Yeah, I mean, we're look, pathetic. Is it's the up answer. to us as a people to start making some changes. I hear. I haven't seen the rough draft yet, but I heard Doc Five. That's the theme about you and I maybe looking in the mirror at ourselves. And, All right, let's let's look at these fan subs, shall we? All right. Uh, morningcombat at gmail.com would be your home to send in your shit every week. So uh, please stop DMing it to me. Stop tweeting at me and going. A lot of people, Luke, they tweet at me. They go. I have no idea how to get this to you guys, so I'm just going to leave it here. Bro, do you watch the show when we say Morning Combat at Gmail on every single episode and tell you that's where you send it to Mikey Morms? Okay, here we go. Number one, Luke, this is from Antoine. That's got to be our boy from Alaska, right? Yeah, this is the one who needs the ball deodorant. He says, hey, Luke in BC, just bought a 19... 19- <laughs> he is a candidate for ball deodorant. Just Look at this bought man. a 1987 Ford Ranger for 25 cents, and I'm moving Blow farther... Blow it up on the screen, Corey. ...farther north into Alaska. Just had to seal the deal in this MK hoodie... Many more deals to be sealed in the merch this winter. Don't know if you heard, but they finally sentenced the Q Shaman. They did. They got from the, the actual ride. So for now, I'm all in the clear. Love you guys. Keep up the good work. Dude, it's- how many women did Ted Bundy murder in that car? Uh, can we blow it up? Can we go full, do we have full screen options here for this guy, Antoine? Yo, he, they say for 6'8", he's stood. He's got, like, Kevin Nash pro wrestling hair. Look at this guy. Yeah, he definitely has got a, uh, he's a low-rent Aquaman. Yo, I there. did ask him over DMs, bro. Like, <laughs> I was like, bro, what's the, what's the tail like in, in the 50th state? Yeah, right? what'd he say? Or the 49th state. And uh, he, he sent me a couple pics. Not gross pics, but just, like, you know, just this is what the fair is like. You know? And how would you grade it? I mean, you know, for Alaska, this, guy, this guy's active, all right? He's very active out there. For Alaska? Yeah. I mean, I don't have high expectations, you know? <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay. Uh, he, he he should probably buy the lawnmower. Right? He definitely needs that lawnmower. Yeah. I guarantee you his balls just look <laughs> like they're just a disaster. All right. Uh, we got one from Cap underscore YouTube. We got two photos. Here is, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Here is Luke imag- reimagined. I look like McLovin. WWE 2K20. I love when they make us, Luke. This is Cap underscore YouTube who made me with the BDE outfit. Yeah. Now he's got you with the Hawaiian BC shirt on. Yep. The lifting gloves, yep. the jeans, and the Walmart sneakers, Luke. Yep. This is great. I mean, there's first of all, what happened to this? Okay, there we go. 
First of all, uh, the weightlifting gloves are really the most offensive part of this, I have to say. Also, the fact that I look like, you know. You look pretty jacked, though. Uh, no, I look like McLovin's fat uncle. <laughs> this is the worst. Do, do we have anything else from this guy related to this? Do we have a video or something? No? Oh, he did, he did put out, I think on the Reddit page, they put out a video of you and I wrestling and stuff, Luke. Okay, it's interesting. Cool. All right, Chris slides in and says, when your mother-in-law extends a last-second babysitting offer, you snap that shit quick, whether you're dressed for the occasion or not. I represented Merch 2.0 on the cobbled streets of Glasgow with mm. pride. Glasgow. Go. P.S. Although I may be a pasty, white, bald MMA fan... I can confirm that I am fully vaxxed and was at home with my family in Scotland during the events of January 6th. That's <laughs> ah, hilarious. Can we go back to full screen? Luke, this guy, Chris, um, he looks like he, he's been in the gym, right? No, wait a second. Does he have merch 1.0? He does. But well, he's got I mean, it I think, in Scotland? I think that that is available on our 2.0 site. Ah, okay, so it looks okay. like the 1.0 launch, but okay. it's, it's like a holdover. And, you know, Luke, as you can see... You were going to make a comment about the woman. I knew. No, I was going to... I was going to... Knew. I was going to... You were going to ask me, what do you think about her tickles? Yeah. Her nice. That was not the direction I was going. I was yeah, just going to... That's a 1,000% I was going to shout out our guy, right? You know? I knew, I, you, you fucking dirtbag. Do you <laughs> think I don't know you? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I know. You look at yeah. Phil. Phil's just like, right. I'm playing Mahjong on my phone. Yeah, we're gonna Fuck off. We're going to pass by the sink later. I'm going to check that shit out. All right. Thank you, Chris. Keep, keep up the good work out there in Glass cow, all right? Let's go. Uh, Steven slides in with three photos. Hey, guys, here's a photo of me rocking some 1.0 merch while trying to keep my son from pounding sand with his entire body and ending up on Have You Seen This Shit. Also included a throwback of him checking out an episode of MK. Yeah! Look at that little guy. We're going to poison his brain. Oh, I love that kid. And one of him attempting the toddler equivalent of an Atlas stone lift. At my dad's gym in Northern the, Virginia. Yeah, with the oh, he's in Northern Virginia. Okay. To humor Luke, much love from Stephen, the dad, and Emilio, the son, in Georgia. Luke, that's I hate it here just as much as Luke did. Says uh, says Stephen. Yeah, well, he should because Georgia sucks. But like um, Armand Sarukian and Luke Thomas, this boy named um, named uh, Emilio will will be raised in Georgia. Bro, look, zoom in. Does the little one have Crocs on? Yes, he does. Look at that uh, king. Yeah. Look, dude, he's like he's like BC. He's got a diaper and Crocs. What makes that lift more impressive <laughs> is that that's a full diaper. That's what makes that lift way more impressive. <laughs> Get that shit, Emilio. <laughs> yeah. Yo, we were rating Emilio Estevez's best non-Mighty Ducks role yesterday. I was talking about that. I think of that garbage movie where he was a garbage man. And then somebody else was like, yo, yo. Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Young Guns too, though, bro, right? Next fucking slide. All right. This is from Roloff. He says, BC and LT, Christmas came early Dude, this year. look at this Can't wait to king. rock the BC shirt in person. Unfortunately, the girlfriend already said. Dude, do any of the people who watch our show comb their hair? So this is what his, girl, <laughs> this is what his girlfriend said about the shirt. I would pay with my life if you ever wore that out in public. He says he thinks that she's just afraid of the B-E-D-E that the shirt gives. Love the show from Roloff. No, Luke, I was not in the nation's capital. <laughs> Did you comb your hair with a, with a potato, Roloff? <laughs> I don't know what country Roloff is from, but Luke, he is the perfect representation of who should buy the shirt. Yeah, wear. basically. I this love is, Roloff. It's really tailor-made for people like him. Yeah. Hey, he said he has a girl, though. He's got a girlfriend. Uh, he might. He might. Okay. Yo, shout out to Chris and his girl, right? At the, at the, is it one of the ones from Alaska that Antoine is sharing? Yo, or shout out to Antoine, the big dog, I call him, okay? 
Yeah. All right, we got one from Ben. So proud of you boys getting the DraftKings and Manscaped treatment. You know when a YouTube <laughs> channel has reached a level of success when the Lawnmower 4.0 is advertised. That's right, God When can it. we expect official MK condoms from Ben J? MK condoms? We're not worthy of this meme. When was right? the last time you used a condom? I don't, know if, I don't know if I ever have looked your ass here. I mean, I'm not, I am from a factory town. Luke, I did right? tell you about that friend I had who just burned his way through New York City in the aughts, and his dad was a doctor, so he would get the clap and then call his dad and be like, Dad, I got, I got, I got the clap. Yeah. And he would just prescribe him drugs, and he would go get the drugs for him. These it. are one of those episodes that I hope no one that I love is watching. You know? Well, good news is no one that I love, <laughs> no one that I love ever watches. Luke, me as Wayne and you as Garth, that, that kind of works. It works a little bit. Your, your look is a little bit better than mine, but it's okay. All right. Michael says, I'm normally a fan of BC's art, but episode 203's edition of The Wheel of Death was more Monkey Christ than Mona Lisa. For BC all I know, BC may still be reading one of his multi-part questions, but please, for the love of that is all holy, end that segment. It's dead, BC. Bury it. And this is wow. my Steven Crowder meme. If you did more homework, Luke, you could have avoided this. <laughs> Y'all laugh at that. That thing has haunted me. Those decisions have haunted me. All right. Sorry. Thank, you. Thank you, Michael. Very well done there. Francis says, hi, guys. Big fan from Sydney here. Luke has been flirting with the idea of getting on that TRT. Here is a look at him four years from now rocking his new physique. No, wow. I would never wear clothes that are cool. So you can just you can put that out of the fucking thing. You think that guy, that guy bangs, right? Um, Something. All right. Uh, ben J says, I know the Step Brothers poster has been done on fan subs before, but I just had to after Rashad called you the angry Step Brothers on CBS Sports HQ. The pic of you guys <laughs> used in the edit came from the first ever pic posted to the MK Instagram almost two years ago to the day. In the comments, someone referred to our boy BC as a Yahoo and needed to be gone. 104 weeks later, the partnership is stronger than ever, and that Yahoo has his face on some tacky looking yet highly desired Hawaiian shirts. So you're doing something right, BC. P.S. Sorry, Luke, for the overly homoerotic bulge-to-bulge pic that I did. Probably won't happen again. No promises, though. You look, This picture here, you look like you're from the Smash Factory. I do. I do. Yes, yes, yes. And I look like I've been hosting uh, piano night concerts at the Flamingo since the 70s in Vegas. I mean, what kind of look at this? Luke, I, we will be skipping our next fan art because it was the... Nirvana cover of Nevermind, yeah, where you and I as babies with the dicks touching. Our staff was like, that was the first time our staff took a stand since I tried to show that circus performer dying. Hey, let's watch a guy get eaten by a snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were like, I don't, uh, think we, maybe not. I don't think we can show death on this show, but, you know, dicks, we can show plenty of those. Hey, speaking of dicks, bro, you know who's back this week? Dickles, the MVP of this segment. What? Dickles is back with four photos. He says, hey, MK, happy to see you guys back in the studio. Here's four submissions I hope you enjoy. The first one, Luke, some say it's a fighter's worst nightmare, a resume oh, review done awesome. by MK. Let's hope the streak is broken. That's funny. I laugh. It's funny. That's a good that one. Is, that is a, good, a good, one. good one. Next one's called Foot Healthing. This is leaked training image of Luke doing foot strengthening. Slay queen. <laughs> Instead of slay queen, I'm trying to get my toes to splay. Uh, yeah, MK funny. Doc, a summation of the MK Docu series in one GIF. BC arting all over himself. That is you. That is absolutely you. You <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> look at that. Oh, look at that face afterwards. Hey, Dickles is good. You got to give him credit, Luke. Art. Uh, he's, this one's called BC Luke Topography. All jokes aside, MK is the show I look forward to most week. So as a thank you for oh, all the hard cool work. One that is put into the show. I made you a both a typography poster design. If you cover one half with your hand, you will see BC's face, 
And if you cover the other, you'll see Luke's face. But together, you make a powerhouse of combat sports analysis delivered with pure dad bod energy. No, we look like some guy who's been in a car accident whose side of his face doesn't work. So Dickel says if you zoom in, there you can see all the MK references. Can you full screen this shit, please? Look, look at that. Booty Latinas, look dead wrong, washed. He says, congrats on 200 episodes. Here's to another 200. Keep it MK strong all day long. Your boy Dickles. Thank you. Thank you, There you go. Thank you for that shit. Good job. If you want to send those around, we do them on Wednesday. Morning Combat at gmail.com. Morning Combat at gmail.com. Send your dead wrongs there for Friday as well. Luke and I will be back at home, though, after this three-day stand in the bomb shelter. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. What do we have left? So be on the lookout. We have a Caleb Plant interview coming out that we did. We have the video that we shot with Chuck Mindenhall. That's on the way. Friday, we will What are we calling that? I'm not sure yet. So Friday, we will have a preview of the new doc. So Friday, we're not, I'm not, we're not releasing the new doc. I think we're the, putting out a teaser trailer. Here's what I think is going to happen. Friday's episode of MKU will get a teaser trailer, and later that day, I think our doc five is Ooh. going live, brother, okay? So lots of... I hope. You want to see the inside scoop on Luke and Ariel? Check out doc five. Well, it's, you're not going to get much of an inside scoop, but... Uh, you haven't seen the cut yet, okay? I, I will make sure that it's the not in there. The first cut is the deepest. Yeah, after the... Yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll have to talk about what's edited. I will say this. I hope the fans... Once all the content is out, we, we appreciate you all. I hope that you guys appreciate us coming up here on Monday, Wednesday, Monday through Wednesday, I should say, and trying to record a bunch of extra con- content. We should say, BC, thanks to all the members of the crew who stuck around late last night. A lot of Andy Kings in here, right? A lot of Andy Kings. Just a lot of guys ready to go. Take one for the team if Take one for the team, Yo, dude. You thought to... Tristan was trying to kill you all week, but he did pretty good this week. He you know? did great. He did great. Love that and guy. then, you know, some other people... Gave us fentanyl, and then some other people, yeah. you know, had seltzers in a fucking weird-ass bag. if shit ever went, you, you always say, BC, yo, you keep making those rumble jokes, bro. One of these times, someone's going to show up in you person. Have, you are, you yo, are tempting If it fate. happens on set and our boy Nolan's there, bro. No one ain't going to help you. Yo, those power crystals, those power crystals, bro, those things. Dude, are, Nolan is going to watch you take an epic yo, L. Nolan is about that life, okay? I like how you're like, I'm just going to go point to, you know, <laughs> the muscle for help over here. I'm not going to worry about my own consequences of my own actions. No, in all seriousness, we hope you guys appreciate some of the extra stuff. It is coming out, and thanks to the crew and CBS yeah. and Malka and everyone who made the last three days If you're possible. getting caught up, everything Luke mentioned, plus Teofimo Lopez interview at YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. Canelo Alvarez interview Resume review with Nick Diaz, our seventh edition. We are 6-0 and oh so far. <coughs> uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Doc Friday, new merch. You still have until 2 p.m. Eastern today to use our merch code LIVE10 to get 10% off not only our new line of Factory Town MMA items, this best-selling mug right here. There's, a, there's, like, a, there's like a tie-dyed hat. There's a lot. There's of, a lot. There's a lot of good lot stuff. Of good shit. And the new Fight Club Yo, shirt. Shout out to our guy RJ uh, Dunkelmaker, the new merch guy. He's fantastic. Well, wh- why don't you tell the folks what you used to call him? Oh, RJ Grundleman. I think that's actually his real. And last then name. you called him Grundlemaker for a time yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To his face, by the way, which was just decidedly awkward. But it's okay. Um, yes, please like the video, subscribe if you haven't already. The road to 100K still continues. And by the way, we will have a post-fight show for Saturday afterwards. To cover all the work from uh, and the uh, the fights themselves from UFC 266, Yo. we'll have coverage of Joshua and Usyk. We have a lot of stuff coming your way. How clutch was Chuck coming back into the family last night? It's pretty great, dude. Love that. Great. Guy. Except for all the vomiting later, it was pretty Yo, great. We, we were a little aggressive against him physically, though. You like during the clip, like you were like, "Yo, BC, you need to take your hands off of him." 
Well, you know, you tried to basically mount him. Yeah. I don't know what else you want me to call him. Well, I was making aggressive points about Saturday's card because we preview that shit like men do. More like drunks. But, you know, there is a, you know, uh, maybe, yeah, oh, also DraftKings. Yeah, I, so here's the deal. I rumble and stumble my you way You want to make picks for UFC 266? You want to pour a little action on that action? How about this deal if you use our special code on the DraftKings Sportsbook official betting partner of UFC app? If you put one dollar on the table to bet for, a UFC for new customers for new customers to bet a UFC two sixty six fight, and by the way, Lawler over Diaz after resume review, I'm just saying one hundred fifty dollars in, in free bets, guys. That's a deal right there. That's MK DK understanding real, recognizing real, and trying to bring you into this shit. All right? Yeah. There you go. So we are offering you free money to go bet. All you gotta do is lay down one on UFC two sixty six for new customers. DraftKings will give you 150 bucks free, so there you have it. Look, I'd okay. like to see you, th you in this shirt one day, right? Why don't you just stop being Mardi Gras ratchet, right. which is what you are, uh, in your drug rug. Okay. All right, for Mr. Baloney and Fentanyl, for the whole crew here, for Malka, Showtime, and CBS Sports, uh, stay tuned. Lots more coming your way. Live chat tomorrow, Friday show, and then everything else thereafter. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.